This is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer. Wherever you are on this wonderful Wednesday, thank you for making me a part of your day. Coming up, there is more news to support my Rodgers to Denver conspiracy theory. One NBA player just played the all-time soft card. Plus, who just called Derek Carr a Hall of Famer and were they right? But as you all know, it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up, and all you get is sketchy third-party products on Etsy and eBay, and none of it's real. Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase you get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players, as well as rappers and other culture icons. If you head over to GameChanger.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. That's HAMMERTIME23 with a capital H. For $10 off, I, I just have another friend who just got a shirt, was incredibly surprised with the quality, with the print, with everything about it. I, I, I don't have anything else for you guys. You need to go pick up Game Changers. The, any of your NFL teams, they got them. Andy, we got Seahawks just for you. NBA, they got it. They just released, like I told you, the LeBron shirt. They got a new Rihanna shirt. They got a bunch of new rappers on there as well. Uh, I'm trying to think about whose shirt I just saw. Yeah, I mean, so much good stuff is going on over at Game Changer. It's a company that I'm so happy to partner with. People ask me this all the time. Um, it, they're not like they are paying me, but I asked to work with them after I'd already bought their stuff because I loved it so much. It wasn't the other way around, which I mean, maybe you could say, oh, wow, you're not up there because they didn't come to you like they didn't want you. I mean, maybe. But I think it just goes to show that it's a product and something that I really believe in, that I was willing to reach out to them and say, hey, I love this stuff so much. I would love to breach out and get it to people that I care about, which is you guys. So thank you so much for supporting me again. Um, when you guys buy those shirts and you use that promo code, it, it helps go to support me. So if, if you're trying to help support me and you don't know what the best way to do it is, go get yourself a Game Changer shirt. Do us both a favor. You look good. I feel good. And we have to keep doing Trophy Room. And everybody just keeps Ron rocking. So thank you so much for supporting me, guys. You guys bought more shirts last month than I would have believed. So I appreciate it. All right, shout-outs. This is someone who shouldn't need a shout-out, but they do. And I, this after seeing this has pushed me into the realm of thinking about whether or not I will do content specifically dedicated to the entertainment that I partake in because people are flaming Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. I don't know if you've heard or seen the hate, but everyone seems to be hating on this movie. And let me start with this. I'm usually the first person to hop on the Marvel hate train because of everything they did in Phase 4, which is like the last year and a half, I hated. Hated She-Hulk. Hated uh, Miss Marvel, is that what it was? Hated Miss Marvel. I liked Hawkeye, didn't love it. Honestly, I thought Spider-Man No Way Home was a little overrated. And then Doctor Strange is a letdown, Thor Love and Thunder was a letdown. And then Mania comes out. And I went to go see it Friday night after I'd just gotten done working All-Star Weekend. Because I was really excited for this movie. I'd heard reviews. Some people said it was Marvel's uh, homage to Star Wars. 
And I full-heartedly agree with that. So here's my non-spoiler review because a lot of you guys probably aren't crazy like me to go see it the first night or the first Friday it comes out. So a lot of you are probably seeing it this week. So it's Wednesday. You're probably either getting ready to go see it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever the case is. Let me make the case to you as to maybe not why you should watch it, but maybe why it's not as bad as you think that it is. So I think people are let down and I can understand for a couple of reasons. But let me try and paint a picture to you the best that I can without spoiling it for you. So there's bad movies, there's kind of good movies, there's good movies, and there's great movies. Um, I would argue Thor Love and Thunder was a bad movie. I would argue Doctor Strange wasn't a bad movie, but it, it was kind of in between kind of good and bad. Eternals was a bad movie. This wasn't a bad movie. It was good to kind of good. That's why if you saw my story, I gave it a 6.7 out of 10. I liked it, didn't love it, definitely thought it was worth seeing. I think it was too deep. They tried to do too many things because there's people breaking down the ending, saying that it's way more than meets the eye and that it's trippy. It's almost like we always wonder why more people don't make Christopher Nolan type movies. It's because people can't storytell. The way Christopher Nolan's story tells. Like, people can't confuse you with teaching you the same way that Christopher Nolan does. And so, that's, I think, where a lot of people are getting confused and upset. Is that they're not understanding how everything connects. And I think that's the biggest issue. They tried to do too much. They tried to get too deep. They almost tried to make Christopher Nolan out of a funny, lighthearted Ant-Man movie. And that's not really worked out. Um, so I definitely think it's worth going to see. It was better than the last three Marvel projects. I don't feel like I can say a whole lot without spoiling it for you. But it did feel like Marvel's homage. It felt like a Star Wars movie. And it felt like Kang was Darth Vader. And Ant-Man was a very, very lighthearted Luke Skywalker. And there is this world that they go into and explore that's really fun and new and gives very star wars vibes funny enough we will be talking about star wars later off later on in the program for reasons that you may not foresee now so there you go go see ant-man it's worth it there hasn't been anything else good to come out this year other than 80 for brady if you're looking for a cute movie to go see with your girl i think she'll like that as well so there's that so you're all wondering okay well what's he talking about with uh more news on the Aaron Rodgers to Denver for Denver front. Well, let me tell you. The Packers are reportedly quote unquote disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. Here's the quote. So this is from Bob McGinn, who was a Packers reporter in Green Bay for 30, 40 years, been there for a long time. He was on the Go Long podcast with Tyler Dunn. This is what he said. He said, quote, they are disgusted with him. Speaking about Aaron Rodgers, they're disgusted with him and they're done with him. That's the way it is right now, that he's not coming back. They're disgusted with him and they're done with him and they are moving on. Then he also went on to say, speaking of Jordan Love, they think he's the second coming now. Quote, the Packers have seen enough in practice for three years to commit to Love as their starter. Interesting. So, 
They say take everything with a grain of salt, and that's what I'm going to say to you right now. So that was a pretty uh, charged quote to say they're disgusted with him, he's not coming back, and that Jordan Love is the second coming. So I think there's a couple of things that could be true and a couple of things that are definitely true and a couple of things that are definitely probably not true. The first thing is I listened to this quote, um, the audio. It sounded like this guy, Bob McGinn, had a little bit of a bone to pick with A-Rod. So that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to take in everything. However, I do look at this and I say, if you're the Packers, you have every right to be disgusted with Aaron Rodgers because I get that in the past, they haven't always done right by Aaron in the draft because you could argue, justifiably so, that Christian Watson is the guy they should have gone for in the draft three, four years ago. I will give Aaron Rodgers that. I think there's blame to be spread around on both sides. The issue is... Despite what the Packers did, we could always argue that they were at least trying to do it to win. I'm not sure how you spend not showing up to practice, not communicating with your teammates, and trashing people in public. I'm not sure how you spend that as trying to help others win. So from the standpoint that I think the Rod, I don't know that I would use the word disgusted. Are they annoyed and done with Aaron Rodgers and a little fed up? Yes. Disgusted with? I don't know. But I also think if you need a four-day retreat in the darkness before which you go and blast Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter for not knowing you and you change the date because somebody figured out when it was and you wanted to prove a point by saying that nobody knew when it was. I mean, every single time I feel like we hear Aaron Rodgers talk on the Pat McAfee show, it's one of those where it's, that's all I need to know about you. But this is just, once again, if, if they're saying, let's just take everything with a grain of salt. So let's say we take disgusted with and second coming of Jordan Love with a grain of salt. Both of those things lead me to believe they're done with Aaron Rodgers, but they like what they see in Jordan Love. I don't know if we could say he's the second coming of a four-time MVP and a Super Bowl champion. But if he's half as good, and I mean, let's be real, they re-signed Aaron Jones to a one-year deal. Which means, and, and I'd be willing to believe Aaron Jones knows more than the rest of us know. I think there's truth to the fact that they're done with Aaron Rodgers because he's caused too many headaches and hasn't brought enough winning on, on the other side. I also think, I just smell a three-team trade in the, in, in the balance. Because I don't think the Packers want Russell Wilson. I do think the Broncos want Aaron Rodgers. And I think they want to get rid of Russell Wilson. So I smell some kind of three-team trade. Maybe with a team like New Orleans. Maybe a little quarterback carousel with the Raiders. I don't know how this all works out. But I do think the Packers are happy with what they have in Jordan Love. And they want to get rid of Rodgers. So it's kind of a free deal. Because you get rid of what you don't want to get back what you do want. So they give him to Denver. 
Now, Denver's issue is they don't have a lot of draft picks, which is why Russell Wilson would have to be included in the deal and probably a Jerry Judy or a Tim Patrick, which isn't what you want to do. But at the end of the day, what option do you really have? Nobody's talking about the Aaron Rodgers to Denver thing. I think I'm the only one who's still on board that train. But I do think that it is legitimate because I think the Packers are done with Aaron. They re-signed him, so they got to do something with him. But they realize this relationship is not going any further, so we got to cut it out in its tracks right now. Do I believe that Aaron, Jordan, Field, Jordan Love is the second coming of Aaron Rodgers? No. But like I said, you got to get moving on to a new relationship and you got to just cut ties. Next item of business, Eric Bieniemy. So, I'm going to start this monologue out with a tease. I think Eric Bieniemy is yet again another reason why Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer. So there's two sides to this. There's the Andy Reid side, there's the Eric Bieniemy side. The Eric Bieniemy side We'll come in a second. Well, let's do it right now. Here we go. So, because I think they go kind of hand in hand. So we know Eric Bieniemy, for some reason, unbeknownst to a bunch of us, a lot of us have been confused as to why Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a head coach job. Some people say it's because of the color of his skin. Others will say it's because Andy Reid's been the play caller in Kansas City and therefore they want to see Eric Bieniemy do something on his own. Fair. This is what I think. I think every six months we move the goalposts on what matters to us from the media. What I mean by that is sometimes we do this thing in the media or the media does this thing to us based on what we say to them and vice versa, we, do, we play this little game I like to call Oppression Olympics, where we say, well, you know what? Right now, this issue is more pertinent to me than that issue. So one will trump the other, even though they're both bad. But one is less bad than the other. So if one is more bad, that one should bury a person, and this one we won't worry about. And we'll talk about this again later in the show as it pertains to Luca, or not Luca, Kyrie Irving and Myers Leonard. I think NFL teams are afraid we hired this guy. He's had a couple of issues. And what of the what does this world love to do? They love to go back and cancel. I think a lot of teams who would like to hire Eric Bienemy understand, look, he might be great at calling plays, but what happens when his wheel of oppression Olympics comes up? And I like Eric Bienemy, and I'm not saying that he should be held accountable for something he did 20 to 30 years ago. Still. Maybe not held accountable, but um, rained down upon. But between, the, between 1990 and 2001, he was arrested four times. One of those, he grabbed a woman by the neck, choked her, and threatened to beat her. And is arrested for DUI multiple times. He also allegedly used... Uh, alcohol and sex to entice recruits to come to the University of Colorado. I don't think any of those things should define who Eric Bieniemy is today. I don't. But I think NFL teams see that and they say, what happens when that comes up next on the docket? And then we're the guy who hired him. I think the Washington Commanders realized, A, we don't have a choice. B, we've been accused of not supporting people based on race and gender for a while. 
So the internal part of that organization is trying to do everything they can to fight the idiocy that is Dan Snyder. And I'm happy for Eric Benemy. I hope he gets his job. And I hope he succeeds at that job, which I think he has a good chance to do. But to me, what Eric Bieniemy is now is a great example of who Andy Reid is. And I don't want to get political on everybody, but I, I do want to say this. We criticize in the media, we criticize Christians because most, a lot of Christians tend to be white people with white privilege. And for better or for worse, however you want to say it, Andy Reid is an incredible example of a Christian and, and more so a Christian, but just a good human being and a good person who believes in second chances because Christianity, that's, that's what Christianity is. It's a belief in second chances. This is the second time now, and I'm sure there's more cases of it. But Michael Vick goes to jail after being one of the most electric football talents we've ever seen. Goes to jail for the dogfighting scandal. And you could feel how you want about Michael Vick. But Andy Reid took a chance on that man. Yes, he knew he could play football. But nobody else was taking a chance on Michael Vick. Nobody was. Mike Tomlin was in the league. It wasn't about race. It was about what he'd done. And Andy Reid said, you know what? I believe in second chances. And Andy Reid, you could go back. It wasn't just, hey, I'm here for you to play football. Andy Reid was tough on Mike Vick. And Michael Vick will say that Andy Reid really saved his life because they took a chance on him as a person. And Andy Reid did the same thing with Eric Bieniemy. None of these guys, that's the other thing nobody wants to talk about. We want to say white this, white that. It doesn't matter what the color of Andy Reid's skin was. He said, you know what? said, I don't care that you were arrested four times in 10 years as an NFL running back. I don't care what, about what you've done. I think Andy Reid is a perfect example that so many people in the world, if they were loved, we say that, that people make these choices, and that's true. But what if we made the choice to love more of these people? Do you think some of these bad choices would go away? Because I do. And I think Andy Reid's a perfect example of that, and I think... In addition to just winning games, if you want to be the guy in the Hall of Fame committee who says that character matters, then Andy Reid is a first ballot Hall of Fame coach. And if there was an all-sports Hall of Fame, Andy Reid would be one of the great coaches for that. Because this is time and time again, Andy Reid goes and finds people that everyone has given up on. And he says, you know what? I will love you, I will lean on you, and I will push you. Till you become something better. And I think that's what sports and life is all about. Andy Reid gives second chances and loves people and look how they turn out. And I hope Eric Bieniemy gets to work out as a result of that. Okay, so Derek Carr is still looking around. Still trying to decide where he wants to play football in the future. Since he has been released by the Las Vegas Raiders. And right now, the major candidates are New Orleans and New York. The New York Jets had an interesting pitch to Derek Carr. They said, 
if he came to play with them, they, they pitched him their recent success, which was this year, which they didn't even win their division. They weren't second in their division. And they also... Uh, they won barely 50% of their games. But they pitched their recent success and their recent draft picks to Derek Carr to say, if you come play here, you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Interesting that that's the one thing that you could pitch to him. I don't know if that would have been my pitch, especially because it's not like Derek Carr is Tom Brady. You're not trying to get the prom queen to go on a date with you. You might be getting the student body secretary. You might be getting the fourth best player on the soccer team. But you're not asking the prom queen. Derek Carr, in order to be in the Hall of Famer, well, he currently has zero playoff wins. And a two to one, two to one touchdown interception ratio, and a win loss record that is significantly under five hundred. And I know what you're saying. There's no way he could be a Hall of Famer. I thought the same thing until I went and looked at another man who made the Hall of Fame, who has a very similar, very similar career slash feel to Derek Carr. His name is one Eli Manning. Now I know what you're saying. Brett, Eli Manning has two Super Bowls. I agree with you. But if you go and look back at regular season Eli Manning, what do you really remember about him? Not a whole lot. You just remember that he was available and that he wasn't stupid. I would argue those are Derek Carr's two best qualities. Now, I'm not saying he will be a Hall of Famer, but I am saying it's not impossible. Now, he would have to pull a Matt Stafford. He'd have to flip, go win a Super Bowl. He'd probably have to win two. I do think that Eli Manning's Hall of Fame case was helped by the fact that he beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. But if you go and look at Eli Manning in the regular season, you know what he is? Perfectly 500. Just over 2-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. And 35,000 yards passing. Here's what I'll give Derek Carr. I don't know if it'd be a Hall of Famer, but I do know this. You might hate me for saying this, but loyalty, to the fullest extent, is overrated. Here's why. Because a great boss is like great fans. I think Detroit Lions fans were the happiest people in the world. They were probably the people who were most happy for Matt Stafford when he won a Super Bowl. Because they loved him regardless of whether or not he was playing for them because they knew he gave them their relationship all they had. If you're a great boss, obviously you want to keep great talent, but if they get an opportunity that's better than what you're able to give them, you want them to go take that because their success in all reality is a reflection of you as a boss. And I think the same is true with fans. So you can say loyalty only applies if they pick to stay with your team, but I would argue loyalty applies if they've given your team everything they can and the relationship's just not working out. 
So what they go and do instead is they say, look, we don't win the best when we're together. So we'll go win separately. I think good Raiders fans will say, look, Derek Carr, we like you. It didn't work out. We pray, we pray our best for you. I will commend Derek Carr because he's doing what a lot of guys in his situation won't do. I know you wouldn't say that Damian Lillard and Derek Carr make the most sense as a as a as a uh, comparison, and I would agree with you. But I would also submit to you that are they really that different? Damian Lillard's never made it past the second round of the playoffs. Derek Carr has never made it to the playoffs. Derek Carr had the courage to do what a lot of people don't, and that's leave the first job you ever got. There are some people who are stuck at the first job they ever got, and they've been there for a while, and they're never going to be able to achieve their goals as a result. And I commend Derek Carr for leaving comfortability. There are people, people who I interact with, you interact with every single day, who they talk so much trash on the place they live or the place they work. My question to them is, if you hate it so much, why stay? The reason is comfortability and the lack of an ability to be uncomfortable. And it's rare, especially in the NFL. And I applaud Derek Carr for it. Daniel Jones, speaking of quarterbacks, white, athletic, and mediocre, Daniel Jones is reportedly switching agents so that he can, in hopes, get a better deal with the New York Giants because... He reportedly wants to be paid in the $45 million range. I, To me, I read the story, and I personally hear, the other guys wouldn't get it done, so I'll get someone who will. Here's the, here's the problem, Danny. Danny Dimes. You may have a new agent that may be a better negotiator, but I would ask you, what bargaining tools do the new agents have that the old ones don't? The only thing I could possibly maybe consider is that your new agent is is willing to take a pay cut on what your last agent was willing to do because neither one of them can argue. It's not that your new agent can argue now that you have a playoff win and the other one couldn't because you still don't have one of those. You still don't have a consistent winning record in the National Football League. You really don't have anything to show, and a new agent doesn't change that. And and you guys know me. I am usually Mr. Pay the quarterback over the running back because the, the, the New York Giants can't obviously afford to do both. We did this two, three weeks ago. Go look at what Daniel Jones did compared to everybody else in the league. Guess what? Davis Mills did almost the exact same thing that Daniel Jones did. I promise you, you can find Davis Mills in the draft. You can find Mike White in the draft. Their names, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Max Duggan. You don't need great. You just need mediocre. And there's a lot of guys in the draft who, if you surround them with enough talent, can do that. And I'm not saying Daniel Jones isn't worth paying. I'm saying he's not worth paying in the $45 million range. Now, if Daniel Jones says, I want to get paid $28 million, 
I think that's reasonable. I don't think Saquon is worth paying that much. And I think it's easy to go and look at Saquon and say, look, dude, our offensive line sucks. We want to get you help on the front. And if you take all this money, we won't be able to do so. And look at the guys who have been paid. It doesn't tend to work out for them. And also, who's going to take you? So what I think the Giants will do, I think they'll franchise franchise tag Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones will get $34 million. They'll get a stay of execution. You got to get Saquon for cheap-ish. And you have to convince him. And I think Brian Dable can do that and say, look what I was able to do with no help and no team for you guys. Guess what I could do if I did have that. Um, so I was working NBA All-Star Weekend. And Friday it comes out that LeBron calls a press conference. Now... Everyone else found out about it on Friday, but they knew the press conference was happening on Sunday, the Sunday before All-Star Weekend. I was curious what it was going to be about. I thought LeBron was going to come in and make an opening statement. He didn't. He came in and just opened it up to questions, and people could talk about whatever they wanted. And the part that I thought was interesting, which I felt was a ball, maybe not ball face lie, because I feel like that phrase is overused and, frankly, a cliche. He said, I don't know how to celebrate me. That's not true. And you might not know how to like celebrating you, but you you may not know how to uh, be comfortable celebrating you, but you definitely like celebrating you. Because guess what? I watched that press conference, and I watched NBA All-Star Weekend. We know you like celebrating you, LeBron. I think LeBron thought... It's kind of like today I bought a new phone, or when you buy a new pair of shoes, or you go on a date with a girl... You think that one thing is going to change everything. I think LeBron thought that by breaking the all-time scoring record, that people would see him differently. But here's the thing. Excellence is a habit. It's not an act that one day you wake up and you've achieved excellence. It was cool to watch him break the record, but that was the coolest part about it because it didn't surprise us. We knew it was coming. It didn't, ch- it, you, it didn't change what you thought. The shot, however many points he had before to however many points he had after, those two points didn't suddenly take you from, oh my gosh, she's one of the most durable players we've ever seen in professional sports. Those two points didn't change that. You thought that before. And I think LeBron thought that he was going to wake up and everyone was going to, as soon as he scored those two points that people would put him over Michael. And we've had that conversation. That's not how it's going to go. So there's people talking about, does LeBron making the playoffs, does that change how you feel about him? Does he need to make the playoffs for this season to be a success? And I will argue to you, LeBron's legacy is going to stay the same. Unless he wins two to three more championships or unless he wins another championship, which I don't see happening. I don't think that changes anything about LeBron's legacy. LeBron is exactly who he is. Now, the Lakers upgraded and they definitely got better. They 
it's it's what we like to call addition by addition by subtraction. You lost Pat Bev, you lost Russell Westbrook, and that in itself is addition. The other nice thing is, this is the most competitive the NBA has ever been in the entire history of the league. This is the closest the top and bottom have ever been in the history of the league. So, the Lakers have every chance of making the playoffs, especially now that they got better. Especially now that they offloaded Russell Westbrook and that the team across the hall, the LA Clippers, went ahead and signed him. So, no. LeBron doesn't need to make the playoffs to change how we see this season. He doesn't need to change the playoffs how we see his career. He doesn't even need to win the all-time scoring record to change how we see his career. We knew who he was before those that shot, and we know who he is after. Okay, I told you that we saw one of the all-time weakest moments in all of sports. And there's a quote that goes, the worst thing that you can call a professional athlete is soft. That's what they hate most, right? Ben Simmons continues to be the superlative of softest of all time. So, story comes out. Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal. 2021, Bradley Beal intentionally fouls Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons at this point has had enough. And he goes, I'm so tired of you mother intentionally fouling me. Because it was Hacka Simmons, it was Hacka, it was Hacka Shack, and he couldn't make the free throws. And he said, he said, I will... I will hit you right now. I'll bet 5K I'll hit you right now. And then somebody responded and said, how about we make it 20? Ben Simmons went ahead and missed the free throw. To no one's surprise at the end of that story. A, this is nothing new. But B, this is what happens when you have someone who has all of the talent, none of the work, and none of the toughness. Some, You know, it's not the worst thing in the world to not be the most talented. Because there are some people who get told no and get told you're not good enough when they peak, talent-wise. When they get to the peak of their career, that's the first time they're ever told no. That's the ever time, first time they were faced with adversity. And so they go ahead and freak out because they've never had to feel that before. Where um, there's a lot of, I, I work with a lot of, around a lot of BYU athletes. A lot of them transferred from a lot of smaller schools, a couple of smaller schools, before they got here to BYU. And that gives them an appreciation for what they have. And I would argue with Ben Simmons, it's never been hard. You played professional basketball in Australia. Australian professional basketball is not American college basketball. Then you go play American college basketball. You dominate there. Then you get to the NBA, and because your work ethic sucks... The sleeping in, skipping class every day and praying you'll still get an A, that runs out. And then you have this outburst because you've never been told no before. You've never been faced with toughness and adversity before to the point where all you have to say is please stop because you have no physically intimidating force to prove to the other team that they should subdue to you. Once again, Ben Simmons, softest of all time. Is the XFL cool? Interesting question that we pose. 
So, I like the XFL. I went ahead and turned it on. Some people only have it on as background music, but I actually went ahead and watched it. Here's how I feel about the XFL. First of all, people, stop wanting the XFL to be the NFL. Star Trek came out 10 years before Star Wars. Star Trek's cool. Star Trek is like if the fu- when if the future actually happened and we flew around in spaceships and courted other countries and uh, embarked on international democracy. Star Wars is like if Star Trek was a fantasy. And I'm not hating on Star Trek, but I'm telling you they're different. You see, in order for Star Wars to be successful, it couldn't just be Star Trek. It had to be different. It had to have lightsabers and Jedi and Sith and the Force. You had to go a little bit extra. There's a reason there's not another National Basketball League. The only other professional basketball league that we've seen in this country besides the NBA, Slam Ball. And contrary to what people say, that junk was awesome, and I'm so glad they're bringing it back. But the point I want to make is, a lot of you are upset because the NFL and the X because the XFL isn't the NFL, and they have all these new weird rules, like when you instead of kicking off, you could take the ball from fourth and fifteen from the opponents from inside uh, your own twenty. You're backed up against your own end zone. And it was so cool. I don't know if you saw it, but I don't know what team he's on. A.J. McCarron, the former Alabama stud, they were down 16 points with two minutes to go. They came back and won the game. Guess what? You can't make a product that's exactly the same as someone else's. It's called patent infringement. And most times, people will go with the original. So don't create something different. Don't reinvent the wheel. Reinvent the spaceship. Still transportation, way cooler way of doing it. Don't give me another Jeep. Give me a Tesla Roadster or a Cybertruck. Give me something the same but way different. And that's why I think the XFL is cool because guess what? People will still watch football over college basketball, over NBA regular season, and definitely over baseball. People love football. It's the number one sport in America for a large margin. So yes, the XFL, it's cool. Is it the NFL? No. But guess what? Star Trek and Star Wars aren't the same. People like both of them. So A.J. Brown said that if the Eagles don't pay him, then send him wherever Hurts is going. There's a couple different ways you got to see this. The first is that Hurts needs to get extended ASAP. And this is why. Because metaphorically, to some extent, the wool is pulled over over Jalen Hurts' eyes, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And right now, what we don't know is what are people willing to pay Lamar Jackson? What are people willing to pay Derek Carr? What are people willing to pay dra- trade to get Justin Fields? So right now, you have a quarterback who has played through a lot, played through a lot of uh, adversity, Deflection, being told no, 
and took you to a Super Bowl. Granted, lots of help. But the question of whether or not Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, question of whether or not he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, that one has been solved. The rest of his career is yet to be seen. But here's the deal. If you're the first one, you can set the market. Whereas if somebody else goes ahead and pays Jalen Hurts, then you get one, two years left with him before if he doesn't get injured, he gets to leave and make whatever he wants. Or you can tie the knot right now, underpay him a little bit, and you have a track record of saying, we will continue to get you help if you give us a pay cut. Here's the issue. A.J. Brown's the ironic person in this conversation because he's the one who's saying, if you're not going to pay Jalen Hurts, then I'm leaving. The ironic part is, A.J. Brown could be the reason they can't pay him. They don't have to pay Devonta Smith that much. Don't have to pay Quez Watkins that much. Don't have to pay Dallas Goddard that much. But you did have to pay A.J. Brown a bag when you traded for him. The issue is, you may no longer have the money to pay Jalen Hurts because you paid A.J. Brown such a bag. So then the question becomes, is A.J. Brown willing to sacrifice salary to pay Jalen Hurts so they can keep going to the Super Bowl? Because the division is going to continue to be easy to win. I don't buy the Commanders being great anytime soon. The Cowboys will always be what they'll be. And I think unless the Giants go ahead and trade for Lamar Jackson or something crazy happens... That's always going to be a winnable division. But you don't want someone else to get paid big bucks, a.k.a. Lamar Jackson, when he becomes a free agent. And then now you have to convince Jalen Hurts to stay with you. So if you're the Eagles, now Howie Roseman's a genius. Eagles front office, geniuses. Extend Jalen Hurts while you can. Call Tom Brady, get him on the phone, get him to say whatever he has to do to Jalen Hurts to convince him he can make a lot of money and still win ball games. Because I think Jalen Hurts is probably the only guy in the history of the league who's going to listen to that because he's the only guy who should have a chip on his shoulder the size of Baker Mayfield and chooses not to anyway. All right, Kyrie Irving, Myers Leonard. I told you that earlier, here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to say a lot to you. But if you're thinking about this and you're not that super familiar with basketball, but you've heard the name Myers Leonard, remember, let me remind you. Myers Leonard, during COVID, was playing Warzone on his Xbox and he used an anti-Semitic slur. Won't ref- I won't repeat it. Wasn't crazy bad, but he was not re-signed in the NBA after that. So he's been re-signed to a 10-day contract with his former team, the Miami Heat. Now, you have Kyrie Irving, who not only used a single word in ignorance, but made intentional targeted phrases against the Jews because of beliefs that he holds. Interesting. Ignorant comment intentional statement Myers Leonard hasn't played basketball in nearly three years as a result of what he did and I'm not condoning what he did but I do think it's interesting we don't have an issue with calling people out for doing the wrong things but this is the peak of virtue signaling 
We like to act like we care as long as it doesn't affect a bottom line. Because we can't pull Kyrie Irving from the NBA because it affects the product. He's one of the best parts about the product. But with Myers Leonard, he's not that good, so we can afford to let him go and call it an act against anti-Semitism. When really it's not. Really, it's we want to act like we care, so we'll cut a guy who doesn't affect our bottom line. And I and I get that. I'm a capitalistic guy. I understand money. But all I'm saying is if it was wrong when Myers Leonard did it, it was wrong when Kyrie did it. This one's not even that much of a topic. I won't even break the analytics down for you. But Russell Westbrook, to me, he's the Cam Newton of the NFL. Had one incredibly all-time great season because he's one of the all-time most incredibly animalomic, if that's even a word, uh, coming from the root that he is an anomaly. We've just you don't usually see people that big, that physical, move that fast, jump that high, run that. So two things can be true. Russ Westbrook can be one of the most incredible athletes we've ever seen in the history of the game. And he can also be one of the worst decision makers in the history of the league. And he used to be able to cover up for it because he was so incredibly athletic and he made plays that made up for the poor decisions. But I think the Clippers just tanked their season because unless you're going to keep him out of the game, as long as he's in the game, his plus minus is going to be in the way negative. He's going to be holding the ball from your stars and he's going to be turning it over and giving it away to the other team. That's why I'm saying the Lakers got better by getting rid of Russell Westbrook. I think the Clippers got worse by picking him up. And I get that he's friends with everybody. I get that Paul George was on the phone with him as soon as the the Lakers traded him to Utah. But the, the Clippers, I promise you, have tanked their season unless they're planning on keeping him off the court by picking up Russell Westbrook. That is going to be our time today. Thank you so much for hanging out. Pray that you get through your Wednesday. Midterm season is real. That's where I'm at right now. And we will talk to you on Monday. Cheers. Woo.